Okay, so I was going to start out today with a tshuva from Sam Sefer. Sam Sefer says the following. He says, quoting his Rebbe, who is the Hafla. Who is the Hafla? Pinchas Alevi Harwitz, he was the, for those in the world of the yeshivas, the Hafla is also known as the Machner. He wrote, he wrote two very famous commentaries on Kedushin Subas. The, the, the Hafla was a rabbi in Frankfurt, but he was a Hasidic Shiit, or at least had sympathies towards the Hasidim, even though he was a rabbi in the capital of Yekiland. And the, the Hafla was the younger brother he was the younger brother of Shmuel Schmelke of Nicholsburg. Shmuel Schmelke was the uh, was the older brother. Maybe you've heard of him. In Nicholsburg, Hasidim, etc., all come from or the Boston. They all come from that line of Shmuel Schmelke, and they initially seemed to have studied by like the Vilna Gaon in that area, and then they got under the influence of the Hasidim and they left. So this is the Hasam Sefer's Rebbe. And this is why when I when I sometimes mention that the Eberlanders are confusion, they're not sure if I can see them. The Yaki's, you know, they're all over the place. So one of the main influences in the Eberlanders is the Sam Sefer. Sam Sefer's Rebbe is the Shmuel Shmelka, uh, I'm sorry, is the younger brother of Shmuel is the Hafla, who himself is a Yid with Hasidish inclinations and tendencies, but yet is the rabbi in Frankfurt with the Yaki's. So, Helps perhaps understand some of that context. So the Havla said the following part. There's a machlokes in the Gemara and Brachas. The Gemara says that that Rishmol says that the, the pasuk says that you're going to gather in your stuff. If you do well, then you're going you're gonna to bring in all your stuff. You're going to have stuff to harvest. So Bishmal says that that is the sort of normative approach. And Rishim Bayechai says that's not, that's not correct. He says if somebody's going to be Isaac and harvesting and planting and plowing and watering, seeding and all, weeding, all the things that you have to do in order to make a normal business, Torah what's going to happen to the Torah? No one's going to study Torah at all. So therefore, what's the ideal approach of Shem Merichai? Nigmar Bracha says, don't do any of it. Just study Torah and Melacha Nasis Aidechem. And the work will be done by others. That's what it is ideally if you have schus. If you don't have schus, your punishment is that you have to do the work itself. Which almost seems backwards from what we say every day in Shema. If we do all these mitzvahs, then what? Sounds like it's a good thing. It sounds like that's a great thing. That if you do well, you listen to Hashem, and you adhere to the Torah and the mitzvahs, then you're going to get it all. Are you going to have a good life? Are you going to have material plenty? And Rabbi Shimon is saying, no, let's misunderstand. If you have to be by Safa, 
if you have to be the one who's actually going to go and harvest, then it's a terrible thing. That's a situation where you're not listening to Hashem. Because if you were really listening to Hashem, then Malach will be nasai, the cherim, all that work will be done by others. So actually, what you thought is ideal, is not. So the Gemara says, at the end of that, the Gemara says that Harbi also Rabbi Shmuel, but also the other. There are many who did like Rabbi Shmuel, and it worked out for them. However, also Rashbi, Veloy also the other. Many people did like Rabbi Shmuel, and it didn't work out for them. So now, Flaw says, Vart. This is what the Chassam Sefer is quoting. He says, What does it mean? However, also Rashbi, Veloy also the other. He says, They didn't like Rashbi. They didn't do Rashbi. In other words, if they would have done it with the same sort of zealousness, with the same sort of mysterious nefesh that Shemechai demands, 13 years in the cave, right? Eating nothing but the buckster and some water, right? You want to do it right. That's how you do it. You do it Kirashbi when you're a fake imitation, when you're a pale imitation of what Rashbi was, then it's not going to work out. Don't expect good results if you're not actually doing it with the same kind of serious language. That is the opinion of the Hafla. That's why the Mara says that there were those who did it like Rashbi and it didn't work out. And then the Hafla continues. And he says, you know, the Gemara in Sukkah tells us, Mishnah Sukkah tells us, that an Esrag Hakushi is not kosher. Hakushi Esrag is not kosher. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. An Esrag Hakushi is kosher. But kikushi, but if it's daimalakushi, then it's not kosher. So the flow explains the same idea. That if it's mamish or kushi, if the asterisk is a very, uh, you know, dark and apparent, okay. that's okay. But if it's only kikushi, if it's only an imitation of a kushi, then, then it's not okay. That is the words of the, the flow. That's the words of Psalm 7. Then the Chassam Sefer continues and he says, I want to tell you my own shot. And this is why it's relevant to us this morning. He says, I want to add to you a further idea. He says, this idea that we're just talking about now, about Rashbi and Rabishmol, Machlaikas, Kosafli, Ganefa, is that an ideal or is that not an ideal? He says, you know, where that takes place only in the land of Eretz Yisrael. Only in the land of Eretz Yisrael is there a mitzvah to harvest and to weed and to seed and to plow and to plant and to all the things. That's what Rabbi Shmuel was talking about. But he says in Chutzlar, it's in the Chutzlar to leave Eretz Yisrael. It's not such a mitzvah then. It's not such a mitzvah then to go plow and plant. He says in Eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah of plowing the land, that's a huge mitzvah. It's like you say, I, I can't learn Torah now because I have to go put on film. You don't have to learn Torah now because you have to go plow your field. It's a similar level mitzvah. But in Chutz Laaretz, where there's no mitzvah, you should to Israel. So then there's no mitzvah to plow the land. Yes, you have to plow the land to survive. But it's not a mitzvah of plowing the land to plow the land itself. What the Chassam Sefer is saying is that there's a difference in the Machlegas of Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shemim Meichai in relation to Eretz Yisrael versus Chutz Laaretz. In Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael what? 
We say over there that the there's a mitzvah ideally to plow. There's a mitzvah ideally to plow. There's a mitzvah ideally. It's like tefillin. So you, you can say, I can't learn tire now because I have to go plow. And that's 100% valid. But in chutz laretz, so then, yes, there's a mitzvah to plow in order to survive. But it's not a mitzvah to plow qua plowing. There's no mitzvah in plowing the land of chutz laretz. There's a mitzvah certainly in, in, in not starving. There's a mitzvah in feeding your family, but it's not a mitzvah in plowing the land itself. Therefore, he says, even Rabbi Shmo wouldn't say over his opinion in Chosvaretz. The whole volume Shemai is only in Eretz Yisrael. That's the part of the Chassam Sefer. Therefore, to say, to start out this morning, that according to the way the Chassam Sefer is learning, Rabbi Shmuel would really be holding like Rabbi Nehoroi. Remember the mission at the end of Kedushin? The mission says that Rabbi Nehoroi says, I wouldn't teach my son any trade. Right? What would I teach him? I would only teach him the study of Torah. I wouldn't teach him anything else. So the, the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel, I'm sorry, the opinion of Rabbi Nehoroi, Rabbi Meir, in the end of the Kedushin, is that I wouldn't teach my son anything to study except for Torah. And Rabbi Shmuel, pointing to what Hassam Sefer is learning, is holding like Rabbi Nehoroi. He's holding like Rabbi Meir. In Chutz Laretz. In Chutz Laretz, he is essentially holding like Rabbi Shmuel, then it's just the study of Torah. It's only in Eretz Yisrael because of the mile of Yishev Eretz Yisrael that Rabbi Shmuel holds that there's a mitzvah to plow. There's a mitzvah to plant. So then you teach your kid how to work. That's the vart from the Chassam Sefer. All right. So the next thing I wanted to focus on was the Tashbates. And the Tashbates says, he has a tshuva, but he basically is bringing down a number of the things that we've talked about already thus far. So he says, I want to make to you a kavachimer. What's the kavachimer? There's a marach, you know, by mitzvah bismillah. By mitzvah bismillah is a mitzvah Shabbos. You have to do it even on Shabbos. What happens when you're doing the bismillah, but there's certain things that you didn't um, prepare before Shabbos? So then you're not allowed to say to a guy to do it. She says, a matter by bismillah. Well, we don't pass because I'm is okay. But when we come to Yishevar Tisrael, which, I mean, how important is it? Let's make a judgment. He says, over there we say that to write a receipt, remember the Gemara we talked about all the way back at the beginning? We paskin that you're buying Eretz Yisrael. You're buying a piece of land in Eretz Yisrael. You can have a receipt be written on Shabbos. Remember when we said that? And that's what, that's a, this is the Raisa to write on Shabbos. It's one of the Malachas and you're telling somebody, a guy, to do it for you. What's the issue of Eretz Yisrael? You already paid your price. You're not, you're not allowed on Shabbos to start building a house? No. That's enough. That we say Amir al over there is okay. Says the Tashbet. You can see from here the importance of the mitzvah of Yishev Eretz from the simple fact that on a normative level, on Bismillah, which is Mamash Mitzvah Darasa, clearly in the Torah, there we don't. 
they're the Ramam, the Rif, and the Shulchan Aruch. They don't allow Amiral Nachri and Malachat Araisa. But these are very disrobed, which, okay, <laughs> the Ramban calls it a mitzvah. The Ramban. That over there, we do allow Amiral Nachri. So obviously, it's a fundamental, fundamental mitzvah. And so, what we're going to get to today. But why do you have to close the transaction on Shabbos? But close it on Friday. Right. I mean, obviously, to my situation, it sounds like <laughs> the guy was like being bugged to close. And all of a sudden, on Shabbos morning, you know, before the challenge, he knocks and says, okay, I'm ready to close. Okay. Maybe that's the only situation. Yeah. All kinds of shenanigans. Yeah, they net. Well, that would be a situation with a lot of writing shabbos. Exactly. So. Yeah, there's there's a there's a there's um, it's a it's a very dangerous situation for those Arabs who are selling to Jews in in the old city. Within this protection program, they have seventeen thousand LLCs. You know, in order to buy the land, you never you know be able to. You know, ever figure out penetrate like who who like who wasn't really sold it or whatever, but yeah, people still find out and they have to they, they have to run for their lives. All right, so I wanted to focus here on a chuva vermaisha. Chuva vermaisha is a little dry. It's about yishevar uh, Yisrael, but in the context of the chuva, it's uh, a little bit more exciting. So I thought I'll mention another part of the chuva, then we'll get to the part of Baris Yisrael. So Ramesh is talking over here about a situation where a chassan wants to know if he's allowed to read um, manuals about intimate issues before his chassan. Wants to know if it's permitted or not permitted. So Ramesh says it's permitted. It is permitted. So to know what's going to be able to give pleasure to the wife, make the marriage better it says is it permitted for a person to read such a manual such a book but he says i wouldn't recommend it that somebody should read it you know long before the chasana should read it right before the chasana because at that point in time you don't have to as worry as much that maybe he's going to become preoccupied with other matters and not focus on the issues at hand but he says at the end of the day technically it is permitted, but he says it shouldn't be done long before the wedding because you can't trust oneself, especially in these generations. He says no one can trust oneself. And then he segues into talking about Yishev Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, it's hard to, uh, like the, it's hard to keep the uh, topics straight, but he just segues right from one to the other. So the very next topic is, is to, I want to know if it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael these days. Oh, he says, I think it's a mitzvah, midaraisa. He says, it's clear that the rave of the place can all believe that living in Eretz Yisrael is a mitzvah. And here, Ramesh says something very interesting. He says, what do we mean when we say it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael? He says, for sure it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. But what kind of a mitzvah is it like? In other words, is it a mitzvah like putting on tefillin? Right? Or is it a mitzvah like putting on tzitzis? What's the difference in a mitzvah putting on tefillin and a mitzvah putting on tzitzis? The mitzvah putting on tefillin is a mitzvah chiyubit. 
every morning you wake up, you have to put on tefillin. Yeah. But tzitzis is not a mitzvah chiyuvis. Of course, you should put on tzitzis every day, but it's not a mitzvah chiyuvis. It's a mitzvah chiyuvis if you have a begot of arbacantus. So then you have a mitzvah to put on tzitzis. But if you don't have a begot of arbacantus, then you don't have a mitzvah to put on tzitzis. Forget the rabbinic idea that, you, of course, everybody should be going out to, to, to do what they can to wear tzitzis and such a cheap mitzvah, why people not do it. Forget all that. Just the simple core midaraisa mitzvah of tefillin versus it is a very different mitzvah. One of the mitzvah chiyubis, one of the mitzvah chiyumis. So Ramesha says, and in his opinion, is the Ramban correct? Is the various Rishonim and Akronim who say it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael? Is that correct? Yes, for sure. It's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. But what kind of a mitzvah is it? He says, I think it's a mitzvah chiyumis, not a mitzvah chiyubis. You do not have a mitzvah on you every day to go move to the land of Israel, to go make Aliyah. What you have is a mitzvah to you, that if you do make Aliyah to the land of Israel, of course, you'll be a kind of mitzvah. No, you, the Kiyumis the, the mitzvah is when you put on the baguette. Yeah, so you... you yeah, at the same time, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not putting on you don't have the ivory canvas on your baggage, you're being over on that when you don't have. You're being a kind of it's when you move to Eric Israel. It's not a question of that. That's when you need to. You're you're being you're putting it on. You're being a kind of mitzvah. Are you putting it on? You're being a kind of the mitzvah of, of tzitzis. If you have a bag of Arabic compass sitting in the house, you don't have to have Arabic compass. Uh, you don't have to have, when you have a, a, a just a bag without tzitzis on it, you don't have to put tzitzis on it. The only time tzitzis come into play is because you're wearing it. If you want to, you want to have yourself in that, you want to, you want to wear tzitzis, fantastic. So you, 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 you want, it's not in, in that sense, what you're saying is it's true. It's a bit different, right? Because when you're coming into Eretz Right, you're gonna have all the mitzvahs attendant to Eretz Yisrael, but you're not gonna have the mitzvah of being mechuyev to live in Eretz Yisrael because you're ready to wear mechayim. All right, but that's the basic idea. The premise is that it's not a daily mitzvah required upon you. It's not a mitzvah required once in a year or once in a lifetime. It's a mitzvah that you can be fulfilled once you actually go into the land. That's in that sense. That's how it's similar to the mitzvah of sitzes. And the Rambam says, can, and he continues, and he says, really, the issue. Of not living in Eretz Yisrael is not an issue for Bnei Chutzlaris. Because as he said, the Bnei Chutzlaris don't have a mitzvah to make Aliyah as a Chiyuvistic mitzvah. They have a Chiyuvistic mitzvah, but if they do make Aliyah, they could be Mekayim a mitzvah, but it's not a Chiyuv. However, he says, if the people already live in Eretz Yisrael, for the people who are already in Eretz Yisrael, those people to leave. That's a very different story. To leave Eretz Yisrael when you're already there, that's not simple at all. Over there, Chazal tell us that one should not be leaving Eretz Yisrael unless one has very specific excuses, usually because inflation is up tremendously, right? Mark gives an example. That will normally cost a dollar, now of course two dollars, have inflation running at 100%. So in that situation, yes, you're allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael or, you know, to Tyra, right? Or to marry 
somebody, these are specific situations where you can leave Eretz Yisrael, but otherwise, not at all recommended, not at all okay to leave Eretz Yisrael. So he says that's very different than us who are in Bnei Chutzlar. If we live in America we, or wherever we live, we don't live in Eretz Yisrael for us to live in Chutzlar. It's not the same kind of a program as somebody who lived in Eretz Yisrael anyway. Huh? No, the, the, the fact of a mitzvah humus is not what we're talking about now. We're talking about the leaving of Eretz Yisrael. So it's not that you, you're, the problem is not that you're not going to be kind of mitzvah humus. Yes, of course, that's part of it. But it's fundamentally, you're abandoning the land where HaKadosh Baruch was found. Yeah, we're going to sit, we're going to, Fair point, right? Maybe maybe there's an issues of being battle. Let's say we're going to see some some of these issues today as to what the issues are attendant in leaving the land of Israel. All right, so that is the tshuva of Reb So now I want to focus on the sefrei. The sefrei is a very very famous sefrei, probably because the Ramban brings it down in his commentary. The sefrei says the following: going back to Vayam Shemaya. Then if you don't keep the Torah and the mitzvahs, so then, then Hashem is going to send you out of the land. Right? Hashem is going to banish you from the land of Israel. She says this, right? Even though I'm going to send you out from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz Laaretz, you should still keep the mitzvahs so that when you return to the land of Israel eventually, it shouldn't be to you totally new. You hear that? When you leave Eretz Israel, you should still keep the mitzvahs. What does the Sefrei sound like? It sounds like that the mitzvahs outside of Eretz Israel are mitzvah humus. The way you normally understand that all the mitzvahs in the Torah are what? Most of the many of the mitzvahs are mitzvah chiyuvahs, right? But it sounds from the sefrei that when you leave the land of Israel because you punished, you were banished, you should still keep the mitzvahs. Why? So that when you come back to the land of Israel, eventually it won't be new to you. You'll know what to do. Or as they say, mitzvahs and chuslars are for practice, right? You don't really have to do them. You have to practice so that it won't be new to you, shocking to you when you come back to the land of Israel. This is what the Sefrei says, then it gives a mushal. The mushal is a king. He had a wife, he got angry at her, so he throws her out. And he says to her, until I get over my anger at what you've done, make sure that you still keep on really wearing the royal jewels and fine uh, clothing, the royal garb. Why? Because when it comes time to come back, you should still be a princess, you should still be the queen. You should still know how to act. Right? Otherwise, it's going to become entirely foreign to you. You won't have any appreciation of what we are, uh, what you are meant to be as a queen in the land when you come back to the to the palace. It says it's afraid exactly the same in relation to the Jewish people and doing mitzvahs and after after they were thrown out of the land of Israel. And the afraid continues a different piece. He says that. The Pazak says again, 
what does this mean that you put the Torah on your hearts and on your souls and tie it on your hands? Right, check the mess unless I have mess filling and Talmud Torah. How do you know all these other mitzvahs? He says, what we learn is the following. They have nothing to do with the land of Israel per se. You can keep it both in Eretz and the Chutzlars. So to any Mitzvah, which are not Mitzvah, so too all of those mitzvahs should be nehagas be'eretz and the chutzlars. They should also be kept both in and out of the land of Israel, whereas the mitzvahs of Chulis Ba'aretz are only going to be kept within the land of Israel. But it sounds like from the Sifra, he's saying something of two minds. On the one hand, it seems to be saying, what we just said, that you should keep the mitzvahs of chutzlars, so it shouldn't be chadashim, it shouldn't be something new to you, it shouldn't be like shocking when you come back to the land. On the other hand, he seems to be saying, that the mitzvahs, Tamatera, Tzfilin, these are mitzvahs Haguf, they're not mitzvahs Baaret. So you should do them, whether you're in Eretz or whether you're in Chutzlaret. So it sounds almost like a little bit contradictory. Are you supposed to keep the mitzvahs in Eretz And out of Eretz or not? So we'll come back to that soon. Now I want to go to Gemara Barabasra. This Gemara is an unbelievable Gemara. The Gemara, we've already mentioned it a little bit. The right? Unless inflation has gone up 100%. Inflation has gone up so bad, then you're allowed to leave, then you have a heter to go. And I'm Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says, when is that true? But if he says that's only true if there really isn't this um, uh, stuff in the market. But if it's in the market, I feel I'm the sabasella loyata. Then even if if, uh, if if the stuff is not in the market, you shouldn't um, if the stuff is in the market that you are able to get it, then you shouldn't leave. And then Rab Shemarichai adds on the phone. Meaning if if it's not is caveating, that is if it's at least there, so then it's less of an issue. If it's at least still if it, even if even if it's even if prices are inflated. But at least it's still there, so then, so then you should um, you should stay, right? So he's he's being more machmer. He's the first statement says if there's inflation you leave. Second statement says even if there's inflation, but if the market is still has stuff, then take a suitcase and go buy the stuff, right? If you look at certain scenes in certain countries, right? We're in America experiencing significant inflation right now. If you follow the Fed, you notice. Fed in the last um, sort of public announcements took out the word transitory in relation to inflation is a big deal because for a long time they're trying to convince everyone that inflation in America is not transitory. The inflation in America now running over 6%, which is amazing because if you go to Europe, you have deflation. You go to Japan, you go to certain countries, they have deflation. Certain countries, you know, nobody wants deflation. Nobody wants runaway inflation. You want to have a sort you know, Goldilocks, two percent inflation, right? That's the sort of idea. Right now, we're running in America over the normal inflation. That's why the Fed is preparing to rein it in. And how will the Fed do that? They will raise rates. They will stop buying liquidity in the market. They'll stop the bond purchase. They'll stop all sorts of things in order to ensure that rates will be forced 
eventually start coming down. That's at least their core goal. But if you look at certain other countries like Turkey or um, Venezuela, these are countries, effectively uh, states that are part of the emerging markets. They certainly don't have the kind of institutions that America has independent, uh, a judiciary independent um, um, you know, finance uh, ministry. They don't have these kinds of things. And so the market sort of doesn't treat them in the way that it treats America's inflation right now, which is okay. It's a tie, it's concerning, but it's certainly not to that level of degree. So I think the official inflation in Turkey now is running over 20%, but the unofficial inflation is running at over 50%. Venezuela's inflation is running at hundreds of thousands. Of like there's no rhyme or reason in terms of being able to, to live in a country like that. Um, so what does that mean? That means that if you go to Turkey right now, if you watch interviews of people in Turkey, you'll see that what they basically are saying is we go into the store today and the cucumbers are double what they were yesterday. So we have to take more money to go buy the, go buy the cucumbers. And in part, the reason is because the head of Turkey, he is an obstinate person. Right? He's not only a Sunni Israel, he's an obstinate person. And he thinks that he's going to be able to bend the, the world, the traders and the bankers and the and the, the, the finance professionals of the world to his will. And he's basically saying repeatedly that you want to curb inflation, lower rates. You lower rates will curb inflation. And by definition, all the standard economic models are exactly the opposite. You want to curb inflation, make the cost of borrowing incredibly expensive. Make the cost of borrowing incredibly expensive. So people can't afford to borrow. So what are they going to do? They're not going to borrow. They're going to stop borrowing. When people stop borrowing, you have a delevered economy. When you have a delevered economy, eventually what? Nobody's buying. So prices come down. There's less demand. Everything comes down. It takes time, but that's effectively the idea. He's saying no. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying if you go to Turkey now, there are goods in the market. Turkey, there are Venezuela. Venezuela, there are not. Venezuela is no longer goods in the market. Turkey has goods in the market, but the prices go up every day. Right, exactly. So this over here, we have two, two opinions in the Gemara as to when it's appropriate to leave. One is just inflation. One is it can't be in the market anymore. Then the then the Gemara continues. The quote Shem Barichai. Shem Barichai says, "Elimelech Machlein Befilion Gedeli Adar Hayu." Right, Elimelech, the story of Ruth and his sons Machlein and Befilion. They were Gedeli Adar, Uparnasi Adar. Not only were they Gedeli Adar, they were also the the Parnas, the Parnasim of the of the of the community, they also took care of everybody. They weren't just the big rabbis; they were also uh, the wealthy people who took care of the town. So why did they all die? Why did they all die when they went to Maya? Because the point of they left to go to Chutzlar, and that was the and that was their sin. Why? 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 Why is it a sin? It was a famine. Yeah, it was a famine, but it was the Midas Chasidos that they should stay. They were the leaders. They were the Deliador, the Parnosim. They should have stayed. The Ramam, we'll see in a minute, brings this down. That he had, that's his understanding. What was their problem? There was, a, there was a big problem in that town. So why did they die? They died because they left. Ah, you're allowed to live? Yes. But the Ramam, we're going to see, says, but still Midas Chasidos, Rav Shemach has given you a third opinion. The first opinion is inflation. Second opinion, inflation, it can't be. Third opinion, Shemaychai says, and even so, 
you should still stay. If you're the guard Hadar, if you're the Tyrannus Hadar, you should still stay. Maybe not for the regular Joe, but not for Elimela, Mafka, and the foundation. And the Gemara, the Gemara continues. And the Gemara says that um, that Elimelech, Salmon, Plenty Almoni, and Avi Naami is all the sons of Nachshon and Avi Naami. Anybody who listened to the Thursday night class, I used, I didn't use this Gemara per se, but I used the Ramban, who is effectively basing himself on his mother. Ramban said that one of his proofs against why well, he doesn't like the Ibn Ezra. And one of his proofs that the Torah is all Nisan and not Teva, right? One of his big proofs is that there's 370 years from Yitzhak, uh, from uh, the arrival into Eretz Yisrael during the times of Yeshua till the times of David and Melch, about 370 years. During these, those 370 years, how many generations? He says, there was Zalmain. Was Aved, right? There was Bayaz, there was there was um, Ishai and David, right? So you have you have Salmon, Bayaz, Aved, Ishai, and then David. So you have four four generations, four generations over three hundred seventy years. That's not normal. So that's the 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 argument of the Ramban. That you average it out. Nine, each one had a kid at about nine. The Ramban makes the argument that the Torah always have miracles, but doesn't always mention them. Why doesn't it mention them? Because it only mentions the things that are either predicted or that are against uh, nature in a very obvious way, the public, etc. So these are private sort of miracles the Torah doesn't mention. That, that is in the Ramban, but it's based upon here that Elimela, Salmon, um, uh, Salman, Plani Almani, and Abi Naami, these were all children of Nashman Abi To mention, we said that right, this, this, uh, this Bayaz is one of these four generations, right? He's the one who, he's the one who, uh, you know, does even with Rus. So, um, I didn't mention it before, but the Sam Sefer and his Shuva says that one of his Rayas that commits with the the work, the land division, like that's why Boyaz is in the the, the granary. Right? We're spying in the middle of the night and they go, What's he doing in the granary? We're sleeping there at night. No, it's a mitzvah to to take care of the land of Israel, to plow the plant. That's why Boyaz is there. So over here in this Kamarba Basra, mentioned this on, on Shabbat Day, a joke, modern iterations of Nakama, the people don't invite one another to a simple. You didn't invite me, I don't invite you. And it comes from this Gemara right here. The Gemara right here in Babasra says that Boyaz had many children. The Gemara says they all died. And this like when he married Ruas, that's like his only day left because all of his kids died. The Gemara says, why they all died? The Gemara says, because there was Manayach who was at the same time. Manayach, right, the father of Shimshi. And Boyaz, who had all these children, was always making costumes. Remember, Mitzvah's weddings and things. He had so much going on. Manayach has nothing, he has no kids. The boy says he's not inviting Manach to any of his fears. Uh, is he going to invite me back? He has no affairs to make of his own. I'm not wasting the invitation on him. So that that so you can see that uh, remember we made a joke a few weeks ago. We said that Harry, when he's going to meet you, he's going to Jason said to the boy, he's going to say, "Mama, say first question to me, what do you do?" 
things that are long in the tooth. It's not new for us. Long, long ways has been like the similar idea that we ask people the first thing in a question, well, what do you do? I already did it along with food. And, you know, issues about who you invite and whatever. We already had this thing. Boaz wouldn't want to invite us to imagine. So my Boaz at the time, a few generations before David Amela, right? It's hundreds of years before David Amela. And this is the time the Gemara is talking about it. That's 2000 years. This has been an issue always, right? Your invitation list has been an issue for thousands of years. Not a new thing. Yeah. The Gemara continues. And the Gemara says that, so, okay, Elimel, Salman, Bani, Amani, and Avinami, they're all sons of, of Nashman. I mean, they're very nice. My Kamashman, what is this teaching me? Even somebody who has Elimelech, his father is according to Chazal, is the one who goes to the Yamsuf before everybody else. He's the one who takes charge and everybody's scared. The Matsuma from the back and the, the, the terrifying moment. Nashman says, All right, I'm going to go in. Says the Gemara. His son is Elimelech. Elimelech has a good excuse to leave the land of Israel. Why? There's massive runaway inflation. There's no food. Remember what Shemarachai said. Shemarachai said, not for the Gedal Adar. Right? You can't go. And now the Lord is giving a further point on this, which is, even though he had Chosav, I see even though his father's Nachshim and Aminadav. That didn't help. Now, the Malach, Malachim, and Nachshim all died in in Chosavash. So, as I said, and I already mentioned the Rambam, so I'm not going to go, go over it again. The Rambam, as we say, says that the mitzvah, um, he doesn't quote it as a, a specific mitzvah to live in the land of Israel, but he says that all, all the other aspects, which is that you shouldn't leave the land of Israel unless it's very specific a reason because of the fact that it's runaway inflation. He says, also, lost his merits forbidden to leave the land of Israel. Right? You have to study Torah, to get married, then you can leave, or to save yourself from the guy. And then he says, you're allowed to go out for business, but to go live, but to go live outside the land of Israel, that's Aser. Unless, right? You have runaway inflation, what normally costs a now costs $2. What doesn't he say? He doesn't say that it doesn't have to be in the store. Right. It could be in the stores. He passed like the first mandal. It could be still in the stores. So the prices are going up. Right. The prices are going up. That's enough to, to, to leave. You don't have to wait till there's food lines and there's no more food in the store. Right. If you go to a place like Venezuela, right, you you are allowed to go shop in the store with your your initial and your name. Right. If you're a, a B, then you get earlier in the store. If you're a Z, you get later in the store. Right. You're not allowed to go to the store on the day that's not your appropriate day. And so if you end up in the time when the when you go into the store that there's nothing left, that's it. That's what it was. But people, when they go to Venezuela, what do they do? If there's toilet paper, and toilet paper, all the toilet paper they get allowed, they're allowed to buy, whatever they're allowed to do. And everything's rationed out. That's how it is in places where the world doesn't trust your economy, that effectively your, your currency is worth. And again, as we said, the Rambam brings down the story back to the and it says that, that they got punished because of the fact that they 
did not do minutes chasidus. They should have stayed. This is the opinion of Shemar Echai because they were gedolad. That what? He's the one who uses the term chasidus. The Gemara didn't use the term. The Rambam is the one who points. Shemar Echai just says they died. Um, but it doesn't explain why. The Rambam says because there was this chasidus, they should have stayed. And then he continues, says that everybody used to kiss the land of Israel. We already told us before when they would get there. Because the Pasik says, and then he continues. He says, anybody who lives in the land of Israel has all of their sins forgiven. And, and then he says the following. He says, everybody would go and try to be buried there. They would try to get there in, during the lifetime, but if not, to get there at least by but after they die. And that's why right, we have Yosef and Yaakov, right? What did Yaakov say? Yaakov said, make sure to bury me in the land of Israel. I don't want to be buried here. Take me up to the land of Israel. And he made Yosef swear to that. that he's going to bring after what did Yosef say when he died, right? Take me out of here. I don't want to be buried here forever. I'm going to be buried here now. You can't do the same for me as we did for Yaakov. Fine. But when the time you're leaving, you take me out. So again, more mindless marriage to And the Rambam concludes these theories of Allahs by saying, You should sure live in the land of Israel, even in a city that's derived Goyim, rather than living in Chutzlaret, even in, in like Lakewood, or Williamsburg, a place where it's derived Israel. Why should call to the Chutzlaret? Because if you go to the land outside of Eretz Yisrael, that's like you. Uh, serving Avaidazar, and then he concludes by saying, Shem same way it's Asr to go from marriage to special Isser to leave Bava to go to other lands. Why? Because the Prophet says, remember What does that mean? It means effectively that Bava was a tremendous bastion, and Torah was a tremendous place with Jewish people. Drive, drive and so the same way you shouldn't leave Eretz Yisrael, you shouldn't leave Bavel. By the way, there are those who understand this idea of Baveli of Bavel. We're going to get to that soon, right? It's going to be the Shalosh Woods where we're setting up the stage. But there are those that say, because the Mishnah on the Rambam here says, Baveli of Bavel, you want to know what, what this halach is? You're not allowed to leave Bavel to go to other lands. One of the other lands, including Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed to go. Right? We're going to see that this is. There we go. So this is going to be one of the, the big debates that we're going to see later on in the Shalosh group. But leaving Eretz Yisrael is not a simple thing. The Ramban, in, in, in the beginning of Parashas uh, Lachlacha, right? The Ramban enumerates a number of sins. I, 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 uh, I um, Ramban enumerates three sins of the of Avram and Sarah in Parashas Lachlacha. Right? What was the sin of Sarah that he enumerates? Is the way she mistreated Hagar and earning us the eternal enmity of Yishmael. The other sins are the sins of Avram. What are the sins of Avram? So according to the Ramban, the Avram did two sins. One, he also blames Avram for allowing Sarna to do what he did, what she did to Hagar. But he primarily looks at Sarah as the Yishmael. But the other two sins that the, the Ramban enumerates, one is in relation to how Avram effectively put Sarah at risk um, by 
by not saying that she was his wife, right? Why don't you say you're the wife? So you're gonna be killed. No, by you saying that you're the that you're the brother, you're effectively a label and you're to be taken away. It doesn't seem like it was done with her permission. Then the rabbi says a second sin. Second sin he says was the Basic tells the Pakistan. It was a famine in the land of Canaan. Avram came to the land of Canaan. Hashem had told him, so he comes to the land of Canaan. Then there's a famine in the land. What does does Avram do? Why? With the big family left. So the Ramah says, what? Hashem told you to leave, to go to this land of Canaan. And then the moment things get tough, you're out. Now remember, what the Gemara is telling us is that when things get tough, you're allowed to leave. Rav Shemarechai says, still, if you're the God of it's not a Midas it's not a you surely shouldn't leave. Machan, I think I'm punished for leaving. The Ramban is basing, without actually quoting any, this is clearly basing stuff upon all this. The Ramban says that it was wrong. It was wrong for Abraham to leave the land. Why did he leave? On what basis did he leave? He left because things got tough. I shouldn't have to leave. Now, this is. I would say to you, it's normally the Ramban way. I understand the Ramban. This year, when we did Parsons on Thursday night, we did the Ramban. I think we did these Ramban. Maybe not last time. We did some other time. Talking about the various things that the Ramban sees from the other throughout the park. So, maybe last I don't remember. But I got two comments. One was from somebody who says to me that he heard from Israel Shiva. Rosh Shiva said that he was at a Chumashir from a Moshe Feinstein, like whatever, 50, 50 years ago. And a Moshe Feinstein said that this Ramban is a forgery. And the Ramban never said it. Because there's nowhere in any Medrash that says that Lavington, like going to Egypt, it says it's not true. And then I heard from my son, who in ninth grade in high school, and his rabbi talked about this Ramban. But he said the Ramban's a forgery. Ramban never wrote it. Same reason. There's no matter that says it. Ramban would make up a sin. The Avais without actually having a basis of it. I'm telling you now, the basis, Pasha, doesn't need a matter. The Ramban had a Gemara Bar Basra. What he saw was exactly the story of Machlon Achille. What he saw was exactly what Shemari Chai said. That's the basis of the Ramban and why he's saying effectively that it was the wrong thing for Avram to go. That's my opinion, what he's relying on, even though there is no open Chazal, clearly, that says it's about Avram. All right. So now, maybe the, we'll do another Ramban. And, um, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll want two more things. So uh, without the, uh, the breakfast, uh, we start a little earlier. So we uh, finish a little bit of fun. So the Ramban is an unbelievable Ramban of Ayik. The Ramban of Ayik, you said, very long Ramban. It's a very famous Ramban. Because over there, the Ramban brings down all the sources that we've seen today. The Ramban says the following. He says, we'll, 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 uh, we'll start out with the Conclusion of the Ramban. This is what the Ramban says. 
according to that Pasuk in Shabbat Shabbat that we talked about, that Bray talked about, says the Ramban, Ainam Machuyev Begolos, Ela Bechavet Hagot, Kitfilim Vimazuzim. Really, you're not Chayim in the diaspora, you're not Chayim in Golos to do the mitzvahs, except for Tzfilin and Mitzvah. The Persian behead, so it shouldn't be new to you when you come back to the land. Again, you're only in, in Golos on the midst of like Why? Because obviously, you're not Chayavon. That's only calling Eretz Yisrael. You're not in Eretz Yisrael. So what are you Chayavon when you're out of Eretz Yisrael? Not Mitzvah Tachlis Barat. You're Chayavon the Mitzvah Tachlis Begot. You're Chayavon the Mitzvah for yourself. Yes? So what a Mitzvah call like that? Filling Mitzvah by Shabbat. Then he continues. And why are you Chayavon? The Pirishu. So they shouldn't be like Nuni when you return to the land. The Iker of all the Mitzvahs. Do them when? When you're living in the land of Israel, living in the land of Israel is equal to all the mitzvahs of So this Ramban provides a good answer to that question that we had before, back in the beginning about the threat. On the one hand, the phrasing to say. That Babata and the they should still do the mitzvahs, like the queen should still wear her fine garment and her jewels because when she's going to be invited back to the palace, she should know what had a proper etiquette. She should be dressed refined. She should be ready to take on the role of queen again. But then when he says Vesamtem, the phrase of Vesamtem, that the Tzadashavet, between Philin and Tera, that Philin and Tera, they're not Mrs. Hatsuliyas, but are as a business of so that everybody should be hired them either way, even where, Kuzlaras, Baymer, so Baymer Kuzlaras, the person should be hired them. Does that exactly fit? The Ramban is saying how it fits. The Ramban is saying that this phrase should be understood. This second to pray about the Samsem, it should be understood as not modifying the Vavatem to pray. It's the same idea. You have a mitzvah, put on Slim Mizuzas, yes. But you're doing that in Eric's throw. That's the Iker place. You're doing Mechut's Laretz. That's for practice. That's to ensure that when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, you'll know what to do. Those are your refinements. Those are your refinements. That's your pair. That's your, your, your jewels. That's what you need to do to practice so that when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, you should know how to do it. Right, this is the Rabban's line that the mitzvahs and Mechut's Laretz, even mitzvahs, which are famous high books, Right, these are mitzvahs that are, 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 are you would think are mitzvah chiyubis all the time. It applies to you, but it's not everything. The Rabban is saying that you learn that to pray. It's really for practice. Really, the only place where all the mitzvahs are really applying, not the mitzvahs of please Barat only. No, even the mitzvahs which are chayves even the mitzvahs that are not connected to the land of Israel per se, even those mitzvahs are really only for real. In the land of Israel. That is the line in the Ramban. And that's how he seems to be understanding the Sifrei, which is not necessarily how you would have understood if you read the Sifrei as we did, which was separate. The Ramban is bringing it together and saying that you have to understand the, the Samson as being modified, not modifying the Ramban. They all have to be understood the same idea, which is 
in Eretz Yisrael is the main place for all mitzvahs, even mitzvahs which are not pleased for Eretz. Even mitzvahs which are like That's the Ramban. Um, <laughs> we conclude. We'll do one more thing. The Ramban student, the Rashba, the Ramban student, the Rashba has the tshuva here. And the tshuva, the, he's basing upon himself, the Gemara says that somebody who lives outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's like he has no God. So the, the, the questioner is saying, what does that mean? You live in Chutzot like you don't have a God? What, is, what does that mean? So he said like this. Because Eretz Yisrael is considered the Nachman Hashem. Eretz Yisrael is the place of which God, God's inheritance for us. And the is Baruch, Nikra, like he's considered the God of the land. That is the land that's specific for him. The loyalist story, Mala, and no intermediary has any Shlita over the land of Eretz Yisrael. The Ramban also goes on and on about this point. We skipped it over there. But the same idea that around the world, there are, we say, other than God, we don't necessarily mean it in a literal way, but there are intermediaries in the sense that the, the action is not as, as only God is doing it. Again, whatever that means, it's sort of more, there's more intermediaries in between, again, whatever that means. That is the opinion of the, of the Ramban, the Rashba, etc. But, and, and that's why the, the, uh, the Ramban gives the example, the Rashba alludes to it. The, for example, the Kusim, right? When they come to the land of Israel, they have problems. They have problems. They're, 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 they're uh, lions going out and attacking them. The Chazal called the Geri Arroyah. We came from because they had these lions that came out and attacked them. Why? Why did the lions attack them when they were footballers? So the Ramban spends a lot of time on this point that the land of it shows that it's a different type of land. There, if you do immorality, the land spits you out. If you do the immorality in the outside of it, it doesn't spit you out. What's the difference? The land of Israel is much more connected, it's much more spiritually uh, um, aligned. And it makes it makes people crazy, right? You heard of the uh, I think it's called the Jerusalem syndrome or something. It's some sort of a syndrome. It's, it's a recognized syndrome uh, in psychology. So the people they go to Eretz Yisrael, they get the messianic complex. They start believing that they're Messiah. King David. If you spend enough time in Eretz Yisrael, I remember meeting a few of them over the years. You know, uh, they, the guys say he's King David, right? They walk around with shepherds, they walk around with a crown. I mean, like King David, he's like, what happened? In America, they were normal. They were a teacher. They were this. So they came there. So all of a sudden, bonkers. And, you know, people think that, like, okay, going to make Aliyah. We'll be American. We're going to live in Ramapi Chemish. We're going to be. And you know what? Maybe you'll be normal, but your kids will be bonkers. It's like that always. Why? By definition. Because the land division is living in a different place. That's the point. They're living in a different place. Remember, we talked about some time ago that the like the different approaches of Zionism, like Rav Cook versus like Rav Salvatic or Rav We said, is the, is Eretz Yisrael about mitzvahs, right? Is the whole idea of Eretz Yisrael about doing people mitzvahs, or is it something about the land itself? Forget the mitzvah, yes, the mitzvah, but there's something about the land itself. What we're seeing here in the Ramban and the Rashbah is that there's something about the land itself and about the mitzvahs. It's almost like another approach, right? The land is the land; it's very different, very special. 
that the midges themselves are only really coming to life in the land. Outside the land, they're really practicing. So it's like a new level of like understanding like the whole entirety of life for Jew. Remember when we talked about the Rambam last week? We talked about the Rambam of Kiddush HaKadosh, the amazing Rambam, right? The Rambam said that the entirety of the Jewish calendar and therefore Judaism is dependent on the fact that there's a Sheris HaPleta that lives in the land of Israel. Why? Because he has the whole calculation that our calendar needs to be done by somebody who's a Tzambal, by somebody who has Smicha from Meshavim. Nobody has Meshavim anymore. So how do we do it? So remember what the Rambam said? The Rambam said, well, what happened was instead of the calendar, it was set up by the Smuchim. Okay, so now we have a calendar that passed. Why are we able to rely on that calendar? Oh, because they made this calendar forevermore. Fantastic. That's what we can rely on. But it only works if there's still a remnant in Eretz Yisrael of Jewish people. The moment that Eretz Yisrael is bereft of her children, there's no more Jewish people living in the land of Israel, then the calendar, which was set up back, way back, becomes invalid, and it will never be able to be validated again. Why? Because the only exception to be able to be making the calendar outside of Eretz Yisrael was for who? Was for people that were Semech in Eretz Yisrael, right? That they, they went to Eretz, outside of Eretz Yisrael, but there's nobody left in Eretz Yisrael, so they could do it. But now there's nobody left in Semech anywhere. Not inside of Israel, not outside of Israel. There's nowhere in the world. So if the count of God forbid would become no more because there will be no people left, then there will be no way to keep Judaism going. Right? That was what the Rambam says. So now we are seeing a different version of this from the Ramban, from Rashbah, who are effectively saying that the land of Israel is, a, is very special. It acts very differently. There's no intermediaries, and it's not just the land. It's the midst only really comes to life in the land. Outside, it's for practice. Inside, it's for real. And says in the Rashbah says, many you don't do at all except within the land of Israel. And therefore, he concludes with an interesting part, the Chumash. I don't know that I totally understand his part, but he says effectively this you don't see it in the other Rishon. I, I, I don't remember seeing it in the he says, you know, the brachas that Yitzchak gave Yaakov. So the first bracha game was Right? He gave him this very nice bracha. But then he, later on, at the end of the parish, he gives him another bracha. Says the Rashba. Yitzchak had no choice. Once he gave Yaakov the bracha of Yitzhak Lecham Yitzhak Shemayim, he had to give him the bracha of Yitzhak Lecham Yitzhak Shemayim. Why? Why, he says? Because the two go hand in hand. The Yitzhak all of that only comes into play with the bracha of Avram in the land of Eretz Yisrael. That's how he concludes. And therefore, Miyad Dacha Avram to break up Avram no longer give that prophet to Esav at all. And therefore, when Esav comes to ask for a prophet, everyone's like, wow, a prophet, give me a prophet also. He said, can I give you the other prophet? The other prophet can only go with, with the one who got the prophet before. And therefore, I can't give it to you. So he creates his own, you know, fashion his own. All right, we'll stop with that.